The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are a visionary. You have a vision. You just need to create it and bring it to life. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program will be an hour of inspiration from leaders who are making their visions happen and will set you on the path to having a big impact through your leadership and the life you really want. Now here's your host, Kate Ebner. Good morning and welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. I'm your host, Kate Ebner. Have you ever dreamed of leaving your job just packing your bags and saying goodbye to the rest of your life to travel the world. So many people dream of taking an adventure like this, but few of us actually pick up and do it. Well, today we're going to talk to one couple who fulfilled a lifelong dream and took their family on an incredible journey around the world. I'm so happy to introduce the Weinbergs, Larry and Kim. Larry Weinberg is an entrepreneur who co-founded the construction company Boa Builders. Hi, Larry. Hello, how are you? Very well today, thank you. And his wife, Kim, is here with us as well. Kim is a leadership coach and facilitator whose coaching and consulting firm is called Coach in Motion. Welcome, Kim. Hi, Kate. So Kim and Larry live with their two children, Alexa and Dylan, in the Washington, D.C. area. And Kim, I've had the good fortune of knowing you for a few years and knew you before you did this trip and actually have not had such a great opportunity to, to really hear about the trip. So I'm excited to talk to you today about not only the trip, which is a phenomenal story, but um, also the preparation and the courage that it took, I know, to step out of everyday life and kind of go for this dream. During your trip, you visited 26 countries on five continents. And I'd love to just start off, Kim, with you to find out for our listeners, what inspired this trip? Well, Kate, um, thanks for having us. And, you know, it really was a dream that Larry and I had sort of made as a joke when we first got engaged, but then became a reality as we started having children and moving through life in the Washington, D.C. area and realizing that holding on to the sacredness of our family and our family values was becoming more and more important as the environmental stronghold was getting grander on our family and pulling us in many directions. So that was one part of it. And another was that we wanted our children to be able to see how the rest of the world lives because we feel in the D.C. area we're fairly insulated. And uh, we just thought it was important for the kids to learn and see other cultures and how they live and just to get a sense of what life is beyond the Washington, D.C. area. Those are great reasons. And how old were Alexa and Dylan when you took this trip, Kim? Alexa was 11 and Dylan was 9. Great. So, so great age. Sixth grade and third. Sorry. Great age for learning and remembering, hopefully, what they, what they experienced. Um, I wonder, you know, I, I know that um, it sounds like you both were looking at life and saying, you know, it's 
it's getting increasingly complex and kind of pulling pulling at us and our values. And we also want to give our children a, a bigger, a global mm-hmm. view. Um, you know, I, I hear so many people in my own circles talk about, you know, wishing to do exactly what you've done, and yet they really don't act on it. And we're going to talk in this hour about what it takes to kind of want this kind of an adventure um, versus actually to go for it. Um, I understand that you have a weekly family meeting and actually have a family vision statement that helped you to plan the trip. Why don't we start there? Um, Larry, could you tell us a little bit about the family meeting and the vision? Um, yeah, it's interesting. You know, we've, we have sort of values and, and we, we've talked about the vision for our family a lot, but it wasn't really until a couple of years before the trip that we thought uh, that it would really help to go through the process and, and put some things in writing for our, for our kids, mainly as a, you know, as a way to prepare ourselves for um, talking to them about the trip and why we want to do it. Um, so we actually read, um, it's one of Pat Lancioni's building, uh, uh books, uh, on, um, what is it called, Kim? The Frantic Family? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, use that a bit, as a bit of a model to, um, uh, you know, go through a process with our kids of, uh, defining our, uh, our family, uh, you know, mission statement, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. That helped uh, you know, as we sort of went through the process. And Kim could probably speak a little more because she's done this uh, mm-hmm. numerous times with with organizations in her uh, capacity, you know, as a, um, as a, a resource for executive teams. Yeah, that's, we, that's great. The, we actually went through the classic process, Kate, of creating you know a list of values on slip charts and circled the ones that were most important, and then we narrowed it down. To the themes, and we came up with three core themes of what our family stands for. Wow, that's wonderful! What a great process! And did your kids like to participate in this? They did. You know, when they get those colorful, smelly markers in their hands, I think it's amazing what we can get done. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Would you be willing to share your three values with us? Sure. Uh, the first one was that we are an athletic and adventurous family that likes to challenge ourselves, experience new things, and travel to warm places and have fun. Mm-hmm. The second one is we value spending time together as a family, and we give love and support to each other, our family, and our friends. Nice. And the third one is we think for ourselves in deciding what is right for our family and what is best for our world. Wow. So you, so you came up with these amazing statements that really sound so unifying. And I'm curious, Kim, how does your family, like, so, so you came up with the statements as a preamble to getting ready for this trip. What happened next? Well, so we use that as a launching point to tell, because the kids didn't know about the trip yet before we had done this. And so we used this as uh, an opportunity when it came to present it to them of, we want to live our values, and here's one way that we can do this. And so they got real excited and rallied behind it. Um, we also used this a lot to make core decisions when we were deciding, you know, if we want to you know, um, spend money on a vacation versus, you know, buying a, you know, a certain present for the holidays or something, we'd say, does this align with what matters to us? Mm-hmm. And so over the holiday, it was the 2009 um, Christmas Hanukkah holiday where 
we presented them with a gift that said, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you like to go? And we gave them some options, and they didn't agree, so we said they had to make a case for which one they want. And then uh, we followed that up with a card that said it's going to be A, all of, or uh, E, all of the above. <laughs> oh, wow. That's amazing. What a great, exciting moment. Um, so what was their reaction? I'm curious when they learned that they were going to be going around the world. There was excitement and confusion, and uh, you could see the wheels spinning of them figuring out what they were going to miss. Because um, at first they thought, how are we going to do all of this in a two-week vacation? <laughs> and then when we said we're actually going to be gone for a while, and then it just started clicking, and they, there was a little bit of nervousness. Um, but for the most part, they were really excited and curious about how this was going to play out. Oh, that's so great. And you ended up spending seven months on this trip. Is that about right? Uh, it was actually nine months, but eight of them were out of the country. And the last month we uh, were back in the States, but laying low, uh, not really letting a whole lot of people know we were back in town yet so we could do some family reentry. Oh, good idea. Well, that's great. Well, um, I know we're going to soon enough come up on our first break, but I would love it if you could tell us a little bit more about... Um, did you, um, how did you plan this trip? So before you left and went on the trip, did the kids participate? Can you just tell us a little bit about the planning process? Um, well, we had a couple of themes. Uh, one was, uh, we call it bursting the mind bubble. You know, and it's basically our kids, you know, they, they have grown up in an affluent society, you know, and whether it's the schools they go, the that house they live, or even when we go on vacation, you know, we're not, you know, we usually often go to nice places. So, you know, one of the things we wanted to do is make sure that we burst that bubble so that they could see how uh, really fortunate our lives are right now. So that was one sort of parameter in planning it. Um, a second was, we call it chasing summer, and it's, you know, it, it aligns with our uh, values of we like traveling, you know, to warm places and especially for Ken. And, and frankly, it made it a whole lot easier to, uh, to pack. You know, oh, so yeah. We were in the fall in Central America and through the winter, South America, then Africa, and then moving up, you know, sort of to India as, as the spring came. So it was always warm. Um, wow. And then thirdly, we, we did not want to be just sort of tourists that, you know, went to a new country every two days and really just did sort of the typical tourist thing. We wanted to immerse ourselves. And the way we uh, ended up making that happen was to, to have more of a hub-and-spoke type itinerary where you know, we would set up, we'd call them home bases, where we'd go to you know, Panama for three weeks. And in that time period, we'd, we'd have a house and have a tutor and we could make side trips, but that was sort of our home base. And when we went to our next home base, we could spend, you know, a week or two sort of touring in between, but then eventually we'd come to another home base where we would, you know, like uh, Buenos Aires, where we were there for three and a half weeks. But from that, we, you know, did trips to uh, El Calafate Glacier and Schroer and, you know, in different... Uh, Places. So those were sort of the three, you know, kind of over, over, you know, overlying themes that we tried to use to, to plan it. And I guess the fourth 
this one is we didn't want to go to a place where we could see ourselves doing it on a on a quick spring spring break. So, you know, Paris, you know, families do that, you know, on a spring break. Uh, we wanted to get to places like, you know, Bhutan or Nepal that, you know, wasn't practical um, to get to. You know, so we were we really did stay off the beaten path. I love that that the, the um, themes that helped you design and, and plan the trip. It sounds like like I, I can really see Kim your coaching background coming into play here as you're <laughs> conceptualizing this. And also, I have read The Frantic Family, and I recommend it. It's I think a very helpful read for anybody who's trying to make sense of the challenges of work and life. And I recognize some of the strategies that um, Patrick Lencioni puts forward there. And Larry, as you laid that out, um, it was very clarifying, actually, to hear you just describe the criteria that were used for the planning. Um, Kim, where did you actually go? So we started in Central America and uh, went to Panama, Guatemala, Costa Rica. And then we head through the Galapagos and Machu Picchu and spent some time in Argentina then we went over to South America and came up through Cape okay. Town, Johannesburg, and uh, spent some time in the Middle East, right right around the uh, revolution in Cairo. Mm. Uh, so we were in uh, Egypt, Jordan, and Israel, and then we went out to the Southeast Asia, because we that's about as far east as we went. So we did do Nepal, Bhutan, and India, and then came back through uh, Eastern and Central Europe. Wow, what an amazing, amazing trip. Um, you know, we're going to take a break here in just a moment, but tell us just one highlight. Larry, do you think you've got one that pops to mind you could share? Wow, there's so many. Um, uh, Kim mentioned uh, Egypt. We were in Egypt about um, three weeks after um, the, the revolution and, and the uh, euphoria on Tahrir Square. Uh we didn't even know if we were going until the day before because, you know, was it safe enough? We ended up going and, uh, uh, and and had security and a guide sort of taking us around. And our guide was almost more excited than we were because we were going to places where there were usually thousands or ten thousands of people, and we were like the only ones. So we could get right up close in, you know, uh, in, in the Cairo Museum, which is something that he had seen only when he was studying archaeology but never saw in person. And some of the tombs and pyramids, you know, being having the whole sort of playground to ourselves was just, uh, was, was just amazing. Mm, that just sounded incredible. Um, it must seem, you know, you did, what year did you actually do this trip? This was... Um, 2010 and 2011. Okay, great. So it's 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 not that long ago, and, and yet already looking back, it's really amazing how the highlights pop up. This is Kate Ebner. I'm talking today with Kim and Larry Weinberg, who took their family on a tour of the world and had quite an adventure. We're going to hear more about it when we return after this break.
Save on your prescriptions with the RX Savings Plus drug discount card offered by Voice America. It is not insurance and discounts are only available from participating pharmacies, but 9 out of 10 pharmacies participate nationwide. Start saving today. Print your free card online at voiceamerica.rxsavingsplus.com or text the word TALK RADIO to 96362. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. This is Kate Ebner, and I'm here with Larry and Kim Weinberg. Larry and Kim are the parents of two children. They live in the D.C. area, and they're both very busy entrepreneurs. A little over three years ago, the Weinbergs took their family on an adventurous nine-month journey around the globe. I'm talking with them today about how they made this vision a reality. So we were talking a great highlight that, Larry, you shared with us before that we took a break, and we want to hear some more of those as we go. I want to stay for a little bit longer, though, with um, the decision to go and to take the plunge, because for most people, this really is so hard to do. Was it hard to actually unplug from your lives and make it possible to do this? Um, Kim, what what do you think? Um, The hardest part was... When we decided to take this trip, it was right around the time that the economy was taking a real plunge in 2008. And so the hardest part was, can we still do this? And do we want to still do this? And the answer was, if we don't do it now, we never will. So we really stuck to our commitment and said, we're, we're going to do it. It just may look a little differently than how we had planned. Uh, and then the rest of it just became action planning for me, it was a little easier than Larry in terms of my business because I can just wind down my clients, but he had a lot more to do than that, and I also knew I would be working internationally with a lot of clients along the way so that I could keep work going while I was gone. Um, Larry's was a little bit more different, so I'll let him speak to his part on that. Yeah, for me, it was a little bit of a longer planning process um, I was the, the CEO of uh, a company I founded, and so 
it had to be part of the business planning as well um, of you know, bringing in a, a, a COO and eventually um, promoting him to president to take over some of the duties. So um, for me, even though we had to sort of make a final, you know, go or no go, uh, you know, in the fall of 2008, um, there were things that were being put into place uh, even earlier than that in order to get my business to a place where, you know, I could leave. Because my, my plan was not to travel for nine months and and, and stay the CEO of a company. Um, my, my plan was to travel and have that delegated and, and be able to check in from time to time, but, but have others really empowered and, and running uh, the place. What a motivation, actually, to get your business to that that place and make sure you had had the team in place to really um, hold down the fort and, and even, um, you know, move forward in your absence. And so you made the, the no, you know, go, no go decision, the go decision in around 2008. And the trip actually took place in 2010, 2011. Um, what were you doing between 2008 and two, when you, when you departed on 2010? From 2008 to 2009, we really didn't do much at all. It was uh, actually the summer of 2009 where Larry and I finally sat down. Uh, we were on vacation together, and our kids were uh, away at camp. And we literally, on the back of a napkin, just started brainstorming everything. I guess it was more like a paper towel. And we just started mapping out places we wanted to go and brainstorm what we wanted to do. So we did the fun part, and then we did the whole logistics planning of how do we manage the house and the kids and the schools and all of that, and uh, I tend to be somewhat organized in that fashion. We just started making Excel spreadsheets of everything that needed to be done and just started a massive project management spreadsheet of how do we do this. And so from 2009 until pretty much the day we left, it was just executing that, that process. So it was like having another job on top of what we were <laughs> on, top of, on top of our paying jobs. Wow, that amazing, and and so another another big part of the process was this planning and, and laying out the work plan, so to speak, for the the trip. Um, were you daunted by that, um, Kim? As you as you looked at those Excel spreadsheets, did it seem doable to you? How did you how did you keep your spirits strong as you as you did this, especially with the economic uncertainty? <laughs> you know, I guess the excitement kept the adrenaline going for me. Um, There were certainly times where we would feel or I would feel overwhelmed by some of it. But it, um, when I would just stay focused on it, on individual and breaking it down into manageable chunks, it felt okay. It was when we would start the grander picture of trying to look at it just from 30,000 feet that it felt overwhelming. So even when we were deciding where to go, I had grand ambitions of us having this trip completely planned by the time we left. And the truth is, by the time we left, we knew pretty much everywhere we were going, but only about a third of it was planned or booked. And so we were doing a lot of it on the road once we were gone. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Good, to, good to know. And the sort of the nuts and bolts logistics, yeah. as, as Kim mentioned, you know, from 2008 to 2009, we didn't do... We didn't get into a whole lot of that, but there was a lot of other things that we had to work on, you know, in 2008 that were more long-term, like, you know, I, I wanted to refinance the house. I was in a interest-only, you know, floating rate. I'm 
figuring if I'm overseas, I need to, you know, I need to be a lot more conservative in terms of financially. Um, you know, we also um, actually decided to work um, on our marriage and our, you know, sort of our you know, how we communicate because, you know, frankly, we were uh, just a little nervous of, you know, we we, we of, of being together 24/7, you know, every single day. Uh, I mean, we, we certainly have had a good relationship and love each other very much, but, you know, we, we're both, you know, type A personalities. We both enjoy our space. You know, she <laughs> goes away with the girls and I have my boys trip and I'm, you know, at, away at, uh, at work most of the time during the day. So, you know, we were sort of, uh, you know, nervous that, you know, put us in the same room together, you know, 24 hours a day without a break and, and, and maybe that would cause tension. And the truth is, it, it didn't. It, it worked fine. But but those were some of the things that we were working were really on working over on. a long period of time. Oh, that's so impressive. I mean, what what stands out to me, what jumps to my mind right now, is the word foresight. You just uh, seem to have such great foresight. You know, thinking ahead, planning ahead, um, anticipating everything from. You know, how you're financing your house to your relationship in this sort of new adventure slash test of parenting and marriage relationship and really attending to it, um, you know, and uh, so thoroughly. It's just really incredible to hear you talk about it. Um, I'm, as you, um, was there anything at all that held you back from going? that you had to really, like, work through? Or was it once you got had your plan, it was all systems go? Kim? Um, I was the one who started backpedaling a little when the economy was uh, in trouble in 2008. And I was looking to Larry for guidance on that one because he obviously knew our financial situation better than I did in anticipating all of this. Um, so that was the only place there. Um, we did have... A little bit of concern, you know, would, would the schools buy into this and would they be comfortable and allow us to do this? Uh, and, you know, if they didn't, what would we do? And fortunately, it all went really smoothly. You know, another factor, like when Larry was talking about us in the foresight, we spent time talking to the school counselors and how to help the kids with this. And there wasn't really anything that seemed like it was a hurdle that was going to really make this difficult. The one thing was probably worrying about how do we keep kids uh, up to par with their class and so that they didn't have to be held back when we came, mm-hmm. when we returned, and the school was very supportive of that. We also, um, knowing that homework isn't one of our specialties around here and we had so many other things we had to be working on, we did need to have some sort of third-party plan for getting the kids uh, the proper education they needed, and the school was Mostly keep it progressive, keep it consistent, you know, the math, reading, and writing, and we know that they're going to be getting a great education on the road. And so they were blogging and I'm kind of getting ahead. But So mm-hmm. in essence, there weren't any real big hurdles other than the financial situation that, that got in our way. Well, I'm, yeah. glad, you, I'm glad you mentioned the school um, situation because I do know that when people I know talk about doing this, everybody – kind of winces when they think about, oh, missing a year of school, being held back. And it's very great to hear you talk about how supportive your school was and that it was actually possible to not have to miss a year 
Um, so I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, one more question. We're going to take a break in just, a, just another moment here, but I would love to, to hear a little bit about what you really wanted your children to get out of the trip. You told us sort of the, the overarching uh, reasons for the trip, but you know, I, I'm curious, they're now 15 and 12, I guess. And, uh, they were 11 and 9 when you left. Um, what were you hoping that they would get, and did they actually get it? So we had, uh, again, we wanted them to really know how the rest of the world lived and learn the cultures, but the biggest piece for us is we wanted to do community service and give back. And so I would say probably, you know, we, we, we visited some orphanages, we worked in some different areas, but the one that was most impactful and really resonated with the kids the most was the month we spent in Kenya, in uh, Nairobi, there's the, the largest slums in Africa there is called Kibera. And prior to going, the kids both sponsored a student there their own age so that they would have more or less a pen pal connect so that when we got there, they could actually walk in the shoes with their new friend, Iris, for my daughter and Saidi for my son, our son and daughter. And when we got there, our kids just totally embraced their culture. You could, there, there weren't any economic barriers or differences. They were just kids being kids. My, and our children were teaching kindergarten and, and English and math to the students there. And that was probably the greatest lesson was them just seeing how life was for them. That we actually, before we came home, and this was probably our one and our biggest takeaway, aside from them blogging, uh, about wherever we were at a given time, a couple times a week, was that we got this idea from friends who visited us. We actually had them write a mock college essay as part of their final exam, quote unquote, of the trip, and to write down, you know, what were their, how have they changed as a result of this trip? What are their biggest takeaways? And for both of them, it was about the experience in Nairobi and how it changed them to understand how, uh, how people live in different cultures and, and with, with extreme abject, abject poverty and uh, just how much it really opened their eyes to how different it is in the world that they live in. Thank you so much, Kim, for sharing that story and giving us, you know, bringing to life for us the experience of the children. Um, I, I love the college essay assignment, even though it might seem premature. It'll be hard to remember all those things when the time comes. So um, we're going to take a break. This is Kate Ebner, and we'll be right back with more of Kim and Larry Weinberg's story on Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? 
The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Hello again, and thanks for joining me, Kate Ebner, on Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. I'm here today with Larry Weinberg, co-founder of BOA Builders, and his wife, Kim Weinberg, a leadership coach and facilitator here in the D.C. area. So, Kim and Larry, what was it like to leave your normal lives behind for almost a year? Just what was it like for you? Why don't you start, Larry? Um, Well, it was... um you know, in thinking back, leaving was actually fairly easy. Um, coming back was a lot harder. Uh, you know, we, we had been thinking and planning planning this uh, for a while. Um, so, you know, when we left, you know, the first place we went was Panama, um, which, uh, although it's in Central America, it's, uh, you know, their English is good. Uh, there's a lot of American in. in- we had a nice house there for a few weeks, so it was sort of a almost a transition uh, place for us. And uh, you know, it didn't take long. You know, it, it felt like you know a two-week spring break that we just weren't going back for. And it was easier for me because instead of you know taking a while unwinding from work, and then you know with three days left of the two-week vacation, thinking, oh, what are all the emails and tasks that I'm going to be behind on coming back, you know, I really could just let it go. So um, uh, it it really was, uh, you know, by the time we got on the plane, you know, we were ready and and we just fell right into it. Uh, You know, Kim, is that the same with you? Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, it was a lot of stress just trying to get everything closed up and buttoned up before we left. Um, but there was never really any resistance. Uh, even the kids, they were excited, a little apprehensive. Uh, leaving their friends was a little difficult, but I think we caught them at the right age where it wasn't too painful for them just yet. Uh, but the coming back where, you know, one of the things where we really noticed is we were four people on the same agenda without any conflicts the whole time we were traveling. As soon as we came home, we're four people going in our separate directions again, and that that became a little bit challenging of trying to hold on to everything that we wanted to really keep sacred to us during the trip and once we got home. Yeah, you know, you had built some time at the end of the trip to make that adjustment. 
I'm curious, you know, how did you bring everybody back together? You know, sort of, that's a great description you just gave us of, you know, you were all a team sort of moving around the world with a way of doing that. And then boom, you get home and life means different things to each of you. Um, So what were some of the strategies that you used in that period? You know, it's interesting. One of the things that I actually picked up was when people came and visited us while we were away, like my parents came, Larry's mom came, some friends came and visited us in different places. And they all commented on how we were such a well-oiled machine together. Uh, Just we had a groove, we had a, you know, we had a rhythm. And when we came back, we actually went, we have a summer home on the Eastern Shore that we went to first to just spend some time together and and downtime. And then we slowly started inviting people to visit us, starting with our family uh, and then some friends. And most of it just became about reconnecting with everyone, but as a whole family unit. So where it started to start to splinter again was when the school demands and the sports demands and all of those activities started coming back into play. And we decided to limit that. We said one sport per season as opposed to two or three. Uh, Family dinners were going back to having four or five nights a week where we do this. And we try and integrate our our, uh, family values and vision back into the daily living um, and just keep it as a constant reminder. Wow. And and I could, um, I'll I'll add a little bit because it goes back to, you know, some of the reasons for going. Uh, and, you know, Kim and I, when we were raising uh, Alexa and Dylan when they were, you know, younger, uh, we, we have friends that have older kids. And the friends, you know, their weekends they spent just running around for, you know, three different sports per kid, and they never were able to have family dinners, and it was so hectic. And we would, you know, say, well, that's, that's, not, that's not us, you know, having a family and not being overscheduled and, uh, is important to us and having family dinners. And they would just kind of laugh and say, just you wait. And we would say, no, no, not us. But we found that as the kids got older, it was, it, it became harder and harder to, um, to fight for our space, um, to, to live the way we wanted to. So that was another reason, that, you know, instead of, uh, instead of, you know, fighting it while we're here, we said, well, you know, maybe we have gotten into a little rut of being too overscheduled and, and not enough family time. Uh, so you know, we going on this trip was a way of getting us out of that rut. And, you know, it, it, Kim mentioned, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a big challenge once we're back not to fall back into those habits. Yeah, there's kind of a gravitational pull toward um, activity and, um, you know, one thing into the next. And certainly that speeds up as the children get older. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, do you think this trip changed each of you in any discernible way? Um, we've talked about the kids, but maybe we could talk a little bit about you and Larry, you were, you've been so candid with us about, um, thinking about life, you know, work and family. Um, let's start with you. Is there anything you learned about yourself that's really stayed with you? Well, for me, I see it, uh, a little more of, of sort of getting back to who I am. Um, you know, I've always had an adventurous side and I've always liked to travel. And I, I took a year off, uh, after college before I started my first job. And, 
you know, the experiences and, and hobbies that I develop now, I still am passionate about. Uh, so for me, it was really, um, you know, getting back to that. You know, this is really the kind of person I am, and, and, and it really felt good. Um, I mean, it was different, uh, obviously, doing it as a family versus, you know, a single guy at 22 years old doing it myself. So mm-hmm. there were, you know, it... it uh, it really, and Kim even mentioned it. We were, uh, we were so connected and and uh, you know, aligned uh, as a family. It really taught. It, it it gave me a little bit of a model of how um, you know I love our family um, to be always. Uh, and you know, we it's certainly harder now uh, as we're in the Washington rat race, but it really uh, helped. So I'll give you one other example. I know I'm going on. We, we, when we came back here, um, we realized, uh, you know, it was so good on the trip for us to be, you know, either in a smaller apartment or all in, you know, one hotel room or, or adjoining suite. When we came home, you know, I found that after work, I would be down in my office, um, you know, on the first floor, and Kim and the kids were, you know, so far apart. We, we were all spread apart. We we decided, uh, you know, after we'd been home a couple of months, to build a, a family study upstairs so that we could all sort of be together at night. You know, whether we're doing homework or doing work, or you know, it was a way that we wanted to uh, sort of capture uh, that connectedness that we that we had when we were away. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. Um... You know, it's 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 amazing, isn't it? How, you know, in a way, the inconveniences of having to all be in one room, you know, that kind of thing actually turn out to be the the fun of the experience and the bonding. And sometimes, you know, our lives actually um, accommodate us so well that we we bump into each other less. Um, great, great example, Kim. How about you? How did you? How were you changed? Assuming you were by this trip. Yeah, you know, the biggest thing for me, Kate, I have to say, was I took on this trip as a spiritual quest as well, um, that I really wanted to tap more into my own spirituality and learn about uh, not just religion, but, you know, my religion, other religions, but to really hit the pause button enough to understand more of the Eastern philosophy in meditation and Buddhism and uh, just wanting to bring more of that into my own practice in life and in my coaching and facilitation work. And so that's probably been the biggest reset for me is I've always been such a, as Larry said, a type A doer. Uh, And while I still live a frantic life, I feel like I have more calm and groundedness in my practice and in my spirituality. And I really did get a lot of clarity on what my own personal religious beliefs were just because I had a chance to really immerse myself in, in reading and exploring and, and just to, uh, you know, the touring and, and connecting with the different cultures when we were in, you know, in the five different continents. Oh, thank you for sharing that. That's uh, that's inspiring to hear you talk about that. You know, we have just about two minutes before we take a break, and I want to invite another high point from the trip. Um, so Kim, since Larry got to do the last one, I'm going to invite you to share like something unforgettable, something that you think was really memorable for you from this adventure. 
Um, well, I guess I'll stick with my spirituality theme is that we spent three weeks in Nepal and it was like an outdoor playground for us where we would wake up with the sun at five in the morning and meditate and uh, I just have fond memories of my son Dylan and I doing yoga on the roof of our apartment while the sun was coming up over the Himalayas um, and looking at the Peace Pagoda and we would just enjoy just so much of the beauty of the outdoor nature and for Larry's uh, milestone birthday, <laughs> Jess's birthday, we did a sunrise hike and then went paras- paragliding with the kids. Uh, and, you know, and for Dylan's birthday the week after, we went and did a tour around Mount Everest. And it just, it just was the beauty of the nature and being you know, that far east and immersing ourselves in that culture just brought back. And, and it was just a time when we weren't touring around a lot. So it just was calm and peaceful and I think one of our some of our most enjoyable moments were the times when we really weren't doing anything. Wow, that's quite an insight in and of itself, especially for a, a, such an active um, family of doers as you were describing. Right. Uh, that's 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 wonderful to hear and I can see that image of you you and Dylan doing meditation on the roof. Um, we're going to take our last break right now. And when we come back, we're going to have a chance to get some tips from um, Kim and from Larry about how to make this happen for ourselves, if indeed this is something that we're interested in. And I I also want to invite, you know, a couple, maybe a couple more high points, maybe a low point or two, um, so that we can uh, be realistic in our own expectations. Um, You're listening to Kate Ebner, Visionary Leader, Extraordinary Life, and we'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes' work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's one 1- 866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. 
been exploring the how-tos of a family trip around the world with Kim and Larry Weinberg of McLean, Virginia. This is Kate Abner, and I'm enjoying this conversation so much. I've learned an enormous amount about how to make this vision real. Um, and I wanted to go back to uh, the conversation we were starting to have just before the break about um, high points. We just heard these beautiful um Beautiful memories, um, Kim, that you shared with us. Uh, love to to invite um, maybe a reflection on like a great moment for your family, like a moment that had you not done this trip, you might never have had. I'm sure there were a million of them. Um, but Larry, what comes to your mind when you think about like one of those memorable moments with uh, you and Kim and Alexa and Dylan? Um, yeah, it, it's. Certainly hard to, to narrow it down, but, uh, um, well, I, I'll mention, uh, how about, uh, hiking, hiking to Machu Picchu? We, uh, um, uh, we decided to do, uh, part of the Inca Trail together and we, you know, we took a, uh, uh, a train part of the way and the train basically stopped and the four of us and our guide, uh, got off, basically jumped off the, pl- the train in the middle of uh, you know, a, a cloud forest. And, uh, we spent the day, um, just hiking through, uh, uh, the mountains, uh, you know, and, and seeing the orchids and, uh, and the wildlife. And then as we approached, uh, Machu Picchu, we came in the Sun Gate, which is just a, a place that you sort of go through this uh, little archway and you, you know, peer down on the whole ancient city. Uh, and, uh, uh, it, it was, uh, just a beautiful day. And, uh, you know, we had spent, uh, you know, a long, what, about, uh, seven or eight hours hiking. So we're all exhausted and uh, just a sense of, uh, joy at finally arriving and seeing the, the beauty of the mountains and the beauty of, uh, of, of the city was, uh, was, you know, indelible. Mm. I'm seeing it in my own mind, even though I have not been there. <laughs> You're doing a good job of describing. Um, Kim, I'm going to give you the tough job of sharing with us one of those low moments or the, the one of those realistic, you know, traveling with a family of four moments. Can you just tell us a little bit about maybe the, the, the challenges and, and that you met up with? Well, I, I can't, I, amazingly enough, we didn't really have any real low moments, um, thankfully, but one of them that was probably one of our scariest and realest moments happened within the first three weeks when we were in Panama, and we were doing an excursion to the San Blas Islands, and it was in the midst of the absolute worst tropical weather that Panama has seen in 60 years, and we were flying on this propeller plane to the island when... Uh, the windows were fogged up. The pilots were wiping the windshields with newspapers and were landing in the middle of a strip that was, uh, you know, barely landable. In fact, the plane right after us didn't even land properly, went off the runway safely. Uh, well, not safely, but without any harm. And, and we were stuck on this island for two days, and we couldn't get off. It felt like Gilligan's Island. And we were in this cabin, just the four of us, where we could do nothing uh, and and it was the beginning of the trip, and it was like, you know what? This is a great lesson on how to adjust and improvise and how things aren't going to go as planned, and we made the best of it, and we couldn't wait to get off the island, but it really was the reality of no matter what the best laid plans are, 
things are going to get shaken up and parlay that into our biggest other fear of traveling. Uh, just a quick story. When we were leaving Egypt, we had three flights through Arab countries the day that Osama bin Laden was killed, and they're advising Americans not to be traveling. Uh, needless to say, we were quite white-knuckled that whole day traveling, um, and it just was another one of those moments of just we've created every possible scenario to stay safe in this and just to hold true to ourselves and the path that we're going and trust that everything is going to be okay and to be smart about how we are moving through this. <laughs> but, but Kim and I were pretty nervous when we showed up at Sharm el-Sheikh Airport, you know, at 6 in the morning, and we're watching CNN, and they're saying Americans should not be traveling through the Middle East right now. And we had to go to Cairo, to Cairo to Dubai, and finally Dubai to um, India. Delhi. So, yeah. yeah, Delhi. So it was – we were trying to almost hide our anxiety from our kids because we didn't want them to be scared. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. I can imagine. And do you think they picked up on it, or do you think you succeeded in keeping it an adventure? Well, I, you know, kids are smarter than we are. So <laughs> it, 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 we, can, we can think that we fool them, but uh, <laughs> I, I think they probably knew, you know. Something was up. Was, yeah. Yeah, I think you're probably right because they do watch us and they observe and sense, you know, in addition to the fact that they could read. And um, so I'm curious, you know, in hindsight, you know, is there anything you would have done differently? It's not my favorite question to ask, actually, but I'm curious for the sake of our listeners, is there anything that you learned that we could benefit from? Kim? You know, one of the biggest things that we found is to not over plan and one of the things before we left is we started working with a lot of tour operators here, and that actually became more of a, an obstacle than a pathway for us. But we realized once we got to where we were going, using local tour operators gave us a lot better of an inside perspective of the country. It saved us a lot of money. I don't mean to be saying that to anyone who may be in this industry around here. Um, but we were to allow for some breathing space to let the plans unfold that way. So I'm glad that we only had a third of it planned by the time we left here because it really gave us a chance to dig deep and once we got there, find local resources that could give us a, a only in our lifetime experience with them. That's a great, great insight. Thank you. Larry, how about you? Anything you would have done differently in hindsight? Um. You know, it's hard to say. I mean, there were certainly some countries that we liked better than others. We also found, I guess, so our family, um, you know, we're not a, uh, a tour museum type of family. Uh, you know, that's not, you know, that, that cultural aspect is not what our kids like. And, and seeing the architecture of the city or is the interesting to me as a builder is not what I, what, what our family was like. So we really enjoyed, you know, the, the, the bike trip that we did through Croatia, you know, the outdoor, you know, get active, interact with people. So, you know, in hindsight, I would have 
maybe change the, the itinerary a little bit. I mean, uh, you know, Vienna, Austria is a, is a great city, but for our family, it wasn't the best because it's, you know, it's a real cultural hub. Uh, and, you know, our, our, our family would have, uh, enjoyed Salzburg better, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. in the mountains. Uh, so, you know, some little things like that just, uh, it's very specific to, you know, how we like to travel. Yes. Yes. Well, and, and now, you know, um, any yeah. plans to do this again? We do. We're not so sure about our kids. <laughs> <laughs> we now that we absolutely are planning to do it again. Yeah, oh, that's great. Well, you know, we amazingly we only have thirty seconds left in this show, so I'm going to ask you really quickly um, to each just give one tip or one one word of encouragement to our listeners who are thinking they might like to take an adventure around the world. Um, Larry, let's start with you. I mean, uh, I'll sound like a Nike commercial, but just do it. I mean, it's <laughs> it's very possible. Uh, you know, we've seen. You just have to make the decision and go for it. Great. Kim? I agree with that and have a vision. Just create, you know, because you need to have the continuous why are we doing this that helps drive the decisions of where you go and what you do. You have been such interesting and, and inspiring guests today to listen to, and I love it that you ended with the advice, just have a vision, especially since our show is called Visionary Leader Extraordinary <laughs> Life. You both are certainly doing that. Thank you so much for being with me today, Kim and Larry Weinberg. We sincerely hope you've enjoyed hearing from leaders who are using vision to create an inspiring future. Please join host Kate Ebner for another edition of Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business Channel. Meanwhile, visit www.nebocompany.com for more tips on bringing your own vision to life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.